Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up with the Card. As always, with Ellis Boone and Jabril Taha from the Stanford Daily. We've got an exciting episode for you guys. I know sound pretty upbeat, and you know we have a, we have a reason to be upbeat this week. Stanford finally has a new football coach, Troy Taylor, hired over from Sacramento State, where he led quite an impressive turnaround with that FCS program, uh, winning seasons each of his. Uh, he, he was there for four years, but only three seasons, winning seasons in each of those three years. Um, and, you know, they just lost in the FCS quarterfinals in a shootout with Incarnate Ward. I think it was like 66 to 63. He's known as an offensive mind. Hopefully, you know, we will see a, or we, I know we will see a much changed offense where we're used to seeing David Shaw era. Jabril, what were your thoughts on hiring Troy Taylor? Well, it's a solid hire. I mean, there's a lot of upside to it and it's not a super splashy name yet. Uh, I know a lot of Cal fans wanted him to be their next head coach uh, whenever Wilcox leaves that program. Uh, but yeah, it's a solid hire. Definitely was on the short list of names we were throwing around there, but it's not a gigantic name, which means the rebuild will have to take some time. He's not going to be able to base just because of his name one and also Stanford remissions being how they are. He's not going to be able to reload in the transfer portal and take them straight into the top 25 as with some of these teams do with new coaches. Um, he's he has a program that's in a really bad shape right now. It's at, at the depth; they really can't get much worse for Stanford. Uh, they have a good amount of talent, but a lot of that talent is leaving or is in the transfer portal, or uh, and and it's really ugly at certain position groups. Is another big thing at quarterback right now. It's a competition between Ari Potu and Ashton Daniels. There's no big superstar talent in there as Stanford usually seems to have. Uh, the linebacking group, oh, well, I mean, don't even get us started on what that looks like. The secondary looks totally gutted after last season. Uh, the offensive line, major question mark, Hinton's in the portal. Um, really wide receivers, a bunch of them, Higgins, Wilson, and Tremaine are all gone. Uh, all of these position groups are getting blown up, and there really are a ton of question marks in terms of where the talent's going to be at. But it's got to start somewhere. We all knew this was going to be – it's either you had this you had this roster going on with the old coaching staff, and you really don't have any hope for next year. And now you have a new coaching staff, some fresh blood, energize the program, maybe be able to pull in a couple transfers and a week schedule. So I'd much rather be where we are with a new coach right now. And it's going to take a while, but Troy Taylor has the right attitude. And I think I have every faith in him that he'll be able to get this program off the ground. It just might take some time. We need to be patient. But the important thing right now is that there's a lot of hope. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Jabril. I also have a lot of hope for kind of this new era, the Troy Taylor era. I think that you know, he's a pretty solid shot at working out here uh, on the farm. One thing I'm actually glad you brought up, you know, Troy Taylor, of course, is a Cal legend, played quarterback there um, in the late 80s. Uh, and a lot of Cal fans are obviously upset that he is now the Stanford head coach. Um, you know, that's Bernard Bernard Muir, his, his two hires for the Stanford's main two revenue sports, uh, men's basketball and football, both played at Cal, which is just very, very interesting, especially, you know, with the, with the rivalry, of course. But, you know, it sounds like, uh, from within the program, from what I've heard from from different players and around campus, is that the players uh, wanted wanted Troy Taylor. He was one of the names that they were they were excited by, and so you know, hopefully that that means that means good things uh, heading forward. And we'll see if you know any of the any of the players in the portal decide to kind of withdraw their names, come back. Uh, in his press conference, uh, Taylor did say that you know he's welcoming all players back with open arms. You know he's not he's not shoving anybody out, making people stay in the portal, anything like that. Um, and he's also said he's going to try to, you know, he's going to attempt to try to land uh, guys from other schools in the portal. So we'll see, you know, 
how fruitful those attempts end up being. Of course, Jabril, you did mention how hard it is with Stanford's admission standards, um, especially as it relates to transfers. Um, and so, you know, we'll see if, you know, we are able to land some transfers because there are some holes in this roster that Jabril also mentioned that we definitely could use some help. Quarterback, a big one there, Tanner McKee declared for the draft in the past week. I, I mean, I've seen him kind of be listed all over the place in mock drafts and kind of big board rankings. Some have him as a top four quarterback. Some have him as like a number nine in the top 10. Uh, so, you know, we will we will see kind of where, where Tanner goes in the draft as we get closer to that season, kind of April, March, April. Um, but, you know, as it relates to the Stanford roster, there are there's a big hole there. I mean, you have freshman Ashton Daniel, sophomore Ari Potsu, and the incoming freshman who's going to be uh, reclassifying, skipping his senior year of high school. And Miles Jackson, they'll be competing for the starting job next year, barring us landing a transfer, which we most definitely need. Uh, I think if we were, out, go out, were to go out and land a graduate transfer at quarterback, I think that would make us a lot more competitive than, than how we are set to be at the moment. Jabril, you also mentioned the offensive line, a lot of holes there. Um, and I know you kind of ran through the guys, but, you know, we're kind of hoping Miles, Miles Hinton withdraws his name from the portal, comes back. Walter Rouse could come back for a fifth year. He has not made a public decision uh, as to that yet. That would be a huge boost. Same with Barrett Miller, who's kind of been a stalwart there at one of the guard positions. Um, so we will we will kind of see um, defense, of course, has a lot of holes as well. But uh, a lot, a lot of news to come, especially as it relates to Taylor filling out the rest of his coaching staff. So far, all we have confirmed. Um, he's bringing over his running back, wide receiver, and strength coach from Sacramento State. Um, Troy Taylor will be the offensive coordinator as well as the head coach. He's going to call the plays as he's done his whole career, uh, which I have no issue with. I feel like a lot of Stanford fans are kind of scarred from the David Shaw experience, uh, but I don't. I don't think it'll be the, be the same. I think uh, Taylor's a much more innovative play caller. Um, it's a it's a exciting style of football style of offense. Um, and then kind of the other coach he named, he's bringing uh, an O-line coach over from the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Clayton Adams. Uh, for the last couple of years, he's been a tight end coach for the Colts. And he also was the assistant offensive line coach for the Colts before that. Uh, so some pretty, pretty impressive pedigree there. Adams has coached in college before. He was the co-offensive coordinator and O-line coach uh, for Colorado a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, so I, I think the staff is kind of, kind of shaping up, at least in the offensive end, we don't have a single defensive coach yet, uh, in his press conference, he said, he's going to go out and look for a legitimate defensive coordinator to bring to Stanford. Uh, Jabril, do you have any thoughts kind of on the staff as it continues to fill out? And also some of the, you know, the, the names from the previous staff that have kind of already, already announced that they, uh, have not been retained going forward. I think the Clayton Adams hire is a great one. Someone with NFL experience doing pretty much the same thing at a lower level, uh, so I think that's fantastic, and I'm surprised by that. Uh, but also, it kind of makes sense. He has roots in college. Also, the Colts staff might very well have a shakeup this offseason in the NFL, so might as well get your job secured now if that could have been part of his thinking. But regardless, it's a huge win for Stanford, I think. Uh, I don't have any issues with him bringing up a few guys from Sacramento State. Uh, Sacramento State defensive coordinator has been promoted to head, head coach, so that will not be coming with him to Stanford. Uh, but really... Yeah, Taylor runs the offense. His assistant's underneath him. He knows what works. I, I trust him on that, of course. And the D.C. hire is just the big one. We'll see. We don't, As you said, we don't have a single defensive coach yet. And that defensive coordinator is half the coaching staff, essentially. So that's going to be the really big hire to keep an eye on. And hopefully Taylor can get a, I don't know necessarily if we can expect a splashy name, but someone who will attract people to Stanford and do a good job schematically coaching a defense. Yeah, definitely. As as we both said, no defensive coaches hired yet, and we know that Lance Anderson, uh, Stanford's defensive coordinator from the past past while, basically, uh, will be moving on. Will not be back 
Um, so it will be a significant shakeup here uh, in Palo Alto, and I'm interested to see kind of who gets named. I haven't even heard any any potential names floated. So uh, it's going to be a surprise to me, surprise to Jabril, surprise to everybody, it looks like. Um, and I'm interested to kind of see how that goes. Kind of kind of for our, our listeners who may not really know how this coaching search went down, we can kind of give you uh, a rundown to as we understand it. So, you know, David Shaw resigned directly after the BYU game, the final game of the season. And, and, and Jabril, me and all, basically all Stanford fans that we know are kind of pining for Chris Peterson the former Boise State and Washington coach who uh, was was a success wherever he went. Uh, he's been retired for the past couple of years uh, as and been, been an analyst for Fox, Fox Sports. Um, and it sounds like they they did reach out to Peterson right away and he kind of turned them down, uh, rebuffed the attempt. And then he kind of went into the regular, the regular coaching search which lasted two weeks. And we know that in kind of that final week of the coaching search, they brought three candidates on campus to interview San Jose State's coach, Brent Brennan, uh, former Dallas Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett, and then, of course, Troy Taylor. It seemed like it was going to be Jason Garrett for a minute there. There was a day where, you know, we were we were prepping for Jason Garrett to be our head coach. Uh, he was on campus, and then uh, he publicly he tweeted publicly that he would, uh, you know, he he was not going to be the next, the next Stanford head coach, um, and so it kind of left Troy Taylor to be a foregone conclusion. But, uh, Jabril, do you have any thoughts on kind of how the coaching search went down uh, and you know, how do you grade, how would you grade this hire? Uh, would you grade the hire differently if say David Shaw resigned and they immediately announced the next day that Troy Taylor would be the head coach versus what you grade the hire now having had the two week coaching search and then named Troy Taylor? Yeah, that'd be my main complaint. I wish it happened quicker. A lot of guys would have entered the portal anyway, but could have gotten quick, gotten ahead of things, gotten ahead of other schools. Uh, so yeah, I wish it happened quicker. Uh, I think I'm a little disappointed we didn't get a, bigger name obviously Tortello can do a very good job here and it's a solid it's a very solid hire that no one should be complaining about uh but yeah I was hoping for a Peterson maybe hoping that they pull a Dave Aranda or something uh maybe poach someone else from a big name school we wouldn't even expect sort of the not a Lincoln Riley type poaching but a very high level poaching I thought I was curious to see if Bernard could pull that off with uh, some someone who just needs it wants a change of scenery uh, and Stanford the stability that the Stanford job gives you and all among all sports I've really seen uh, and the recruiting ease uh, once within people in the potential recruiting pool so yeah I was hoping Stanford would be able to poach someone uh, Jason Garrett was actually pretty enticing to me because of the staff he was going to be able to build and I think that would have made it a quicker rebuild having someone like Jason Garrett in there but yeah, I think it was a decent search. I think it went well. We, of course, don't know who turned them down, uh, why they turned them down. Hopefully the reasons are not based on uh, what they heard the admin was willing to do with transfers and NIL stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, I think it was a fine hire. I wish it happened earlier, but no no huge complaints here. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that, Jabril. Um, you know, I, Troy Taylor was a name that I was, I was pretty fond of heading into the coaching search. Uh, and I think, you know, say he was named kind of in that first week after a few days, uh, I probably would have given the hire a, a B plus. Um, you know, I, I am very happy with it still. Um, but now kind of as the coaching search went in, in its full length, a full two weeks, you kind of heard a bunch of names floated, kind of heard how different things went down and started to kind of, you know, get attracted to different different options. I would I would kind of rate it now a B just goes down a bit from a B plus to a B. Um, that's just kind of how the nature of how the coaching search went down. But I, I'm very excited. Uh, with Troy Taylor, I think he has a higher ceiling than some of the other candidates we heard, Jason Garrett. But I also think he's a lower floor than than Jason Garrett and uh, some of those other names. 
just because, you know, he's unproven at the power five level um, in FBS football. Uh, but I think, you know, he has the potential to kind of be be reeling off eight, nine win seasons here in the future and kind of getting getting Stanford back to what it's been kind of a couple, uh, a few, a few, a few years ago, kind of in the, the 2010s. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited by this hire. The press conference really uh, impressed me. Um, you know, there are a lot of things in there, there that I liked, you know, him trying to trying to do work in the portal, kind of his, his viewpoint on how a program should be run, you know, his offensive philosophy. I thought, you know, go mighty card. One of the, the bigger Stanford uh, fan accounts on Twitter uh, said that he was, you know, instantly sold on Taylor in the press conference when he dropped a Robert Frost quote. And I just thought that was hilarious because it was like the most used Robert Frost quote in history. The one about, you know, choosing the road less traveled. And I was like, wow, if that's, that's the quote that sells you. You're going to get sold by a lot of people. But <laughs> that was just a, just a funny, a funny, funny thing to me. But no, I, w- I was impressed with the press conference. I think, you know, he has the potential, potential to do well here, but you know, the work starts now. He started to name his staff. He's still got a bit of a ways to go with the staff, uh, you know, early, early signing days coming up December 21st, I believe. Uh, and he's invited all of Stanford's commits uh, to come out to campus this coming weekend uh, to meet him and the coaches that are that are here so far, kind of get to know him, uh, you know, with signing day just uh, a week or two away. Um, and of course, they've got to they've got to start looking into the portal. Some of Stanford's some of Stanford's seniors and players that have entered the portal have started to choose places. Punter Ryan Sanborn committed to Texas. Uh, Jake Hornibrook, one of our starting offensive guards, committed to Duke. Jonathan McGill, one of our captains, safety committed to SMU. Um, what's his name? Uh, Lavani Damuni committed to Utah. Uh, and Ricky Miazon, another one of our captains, starting inside linebacker next to Damuni, will be playing lacrosse uh, in the spring at UVA, which is pretty cool. I grew up a UVA fan. Uh, I saw Ricky play a lot of lacrosse in high school when he played against my school, um, kind of some of the other schools in the area. So that'll be pretty cool to be watching him on TV uh, playing playing for UVA. But uh, you know we'll see what Troy Taylor does in the next couple of weeks. Uh, spring ball will be interesting to track uh, kind of as this team take take shape and we see what the offense kind of looks like from our from our point of view Jabril I don't know if you have any any final things to say about football before we move into kind of some of the other sports no I like it there's a lot of hope I think the biggest questions for me is how the roster shakes out and a lot of that has to do with admin I think still for me the biggest question I, I definitely Troy Taylor is an upgrade at coaching scheming wise and defensive like again the bar is so so low right now based on what we saw the last three or four seasons uh, but I'm just for me the biggest question is roster building and that starts with admin how committed to big time football is admin I, I've always thought that one of the things that makes Stanford special is their commitment to big time sports typically uh, with the new era of college football will they continue that commitment and that starts with the transfer portal I mean if someone's there are tons of guys out there who sh- like I think should be able to get in if you're all conference player in whatever conference you play in, you should be allowed to transfer. Like, I think the value is high enough to let you transfer into Stanford. There are so many, so many guys out there we could be transferring in and who would jump at the opportunity to get to, to get a Stanford degree. So we're going to see how flexible admin is. And that's really the biggest question on roster building. I have Stanford recruits itself. They got a commitments with no coaching staff. I firmly believe it's easier than ever to recruit to Stanford. Once you get like kids who are in the pool. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think roster building is huge, and they have a pretty manageable schedule. It's it's a very uh, top heavy and bottom heavy. It's a pretty bipolar schedule next year. Uh, you got all the big names, of course, and then Arizona, Cal, Colorado. Well, Colorado might be tough now with Deion Sanders. So 
we'll see how it goes next year. I'm, I'm just hopeful and hopeful admins willing to make that commitment and allow Troy Taylor to actually coach to his fullest ability. Yeah, no, that's, that's something we talked about kind of heading into this coaching search is that uh, Stanford's kind of was at a crossroads heading into this coaching search, you know, if they were going to commit fully to football, um, if they're kind of going to sit back and just, just see, see where it goes. And I think, I think this coaching search uh, showed that they are committed to football. I think Troy Taylor, kind of represents that i feel like there are going to be people out there who say oh they didn't hire a big name they're not committed to football but i would kind of push back against that i think troy taylor um yeah i, I mean jason garrett being a finalist for this job kind of shows that they are they are committed to football um and you know we will see kind of if they if they have thought about nil in the transfer portal as you talked about there jabril uh one of the other things that they're kind of at a crossroads with is conference realignment we just saw today as we're recording this UCLA, the Board of Regents approved them to move to the Big Ten with USC in 2024. So, you know, the Pac-12 is on the clock for, you know, if the conference will stay together, uh, you know, if they're going to bring anybody in. So we, we will see. And, of course, Stanford's going to have to be a huge player in that, going to have to make some decisions. So we will see where the administration stands. Are we going to have, you know, is, is MTL, our president, going to have to resign here in the next couple of months, in the next year, uh, because of the huge scandal uh, surrounding his uh, publications? Um, so we will... We will see a lot happening uh, on this campus around this university, um, and it all kind of comes back and impacts athletics. So we are we are going to see uh, how it goes, and uh, you know, of course, we're keeping on Troy Taylor and kind of the start of his tenure here at Stanford. But that's kind of all we're going to talk about football wise. We're going to move along and cover volleyball and the two basketball teams. We'll start, of course, with volleyball. Heartbreaking loss in the fifth set to San Diego um, at home this past weekend. I was there in attendance. Jabril, I know you. I know you watched as our kind of resident volleyball uh, fan here. Kind of, what did you what did you make of that game? Kind of the end of the season, and what are you thinking about as we kind of look forward to next year? Yeah, heartbreaking ending to what was overall a good season for Stanford women's volleyball. Really sticking their claim as one of those elite programs once again after COVID kind of wrecked their program for two years. Stanford losses one in five, uh, actually won one more point than San Diego did, but unfortunately that's not how scoring is decided. Uh, they were down nine, six in the fifth set, stormed back to go to nine, nine, and then lost six in a row to lose 15, nine, the fifth set. It was just an unfortunate ending. San Diego played really well. And they're, they're a very, very good team who probably deserved the one seat over us a 31 and one this season, just ridiculous stuff from them. That one could have really gone either way. Uh, yeah, just a total heartbreaker. And everyone comes back next year. All the key contributors come back next year, and you've got a few big-time recruits coming in as well. The Stanford team should be a preseason top three team. And for me, they need to – next year should be uh, – you've got to get to the Final Four minimum next year. This team should be really, really good. Uh, so I'm hopeful for next year. Uh, but also, yeah, this one this one stings. It's going to sting watching the finals this weekend uh, with Stanford not in there, given that they were so, so close to winning this one. Just a broader point about fall sports. I think all three had overperformed their preseason projections this year. Uh, women's soccer was projected just outside of the top 20, correct me if I'm wrong, finished in top 10, but then underperformed their seed by a round. Uh, men's soccer was out of the top 25, did really well got number five in the tournament, but also underperformed their seed by a round. And then Stanford got to host their regional, uh, was projected top 20 this year, top 15 in that area. Again, finished number four overall seed in the country, but underperformed by one round. So uh, three teams overperforming overall, but in the tournament are three major fall sports for us, taking football out of it, but three major non-revenue fall sports. 
uh, all underperformed their seeds in the tournament, which is definitely disappointing endings to all three of those seasons and one that could very well come back to bite them come Director's Cup time. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point you raised there, Jabril, that, you know, those three those three teams outperformed their their preseason expectations, but then kind of as the season went along, they ended up underperforming their postseason expectations, which really hurts us uh, come Director's Cup time, uh, end of spring. Uh, we'll see if kind of, you know, the winner in spring sports can kind of pick up the slack and kind of overperform their expectations and kind of get us back in the hunt. Uh, you know, Stanford had a very long Director's Cup winning streak, and then Texas has taken it back-to-back years. But it's not looking good right now for Stanford uh, to kind of re recapture that title. Um, we're we're going to have to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, both the soccer teams, disappointing penalty kicks, losses in the NCAA tournament. Uh, volleyball, of course, losing in the Elite Eight to San Diego, as we just talked about. And kind of moving along, talking about men's basketball first. Uh, they're in the middle. They're finishing up the two-week exam break. And they did have two games, though, since we last recorded this podcast, uh, losing their first two Pac-12 games. UCLA and Arizona State team now sits at three and six, zero and two in the Pac-12. Uh, this coming weekend, they've got two games: Friday and Sunday. On Friday, they're hosting one and seven Green Bay, and then on Sunday, they travel to Dallas, Texas, to take on the University of Texas in a neutral site game. But I mean, it's not really a neutral site game. You're playing Texas in Texas uh, in the Mavericks Arena, uh, and kind of you know Texas is a top top ten, top fifteen team in the country right now, and of course all the intrigue with them. Their head coach, Chris Beard, uh, just arrested a couple nights ago um, for beating up his fiance. A terrible incident there. Uh, and he, he's been suspended indefinitely by the university. Uh, so he's not expected to coach on Sunday. He did not coach in their last game against Rice yesterday. Um, so that'll be interesting. Playing, playing a team without their head coach, a very good team at that. Jabril, uh, kind of, I know we just talked a bit about the Texas situation, but kind of going back to the UCLA and Arizona State games, what did you see there? And, you know, kind of what have you made of this kind of inauspicious start for men's basketball? You know, three and six, no good wins, but also no bad losses. Every team they've lost to uh, has very respectful campaigns going on, kind of sitting in that tournament picture, quad one, quad two losses. What have you, what have you made of things so far? Yeah, it's been a thoroughly disappointing start. There's no other way to put it. Uh, UCLA was a disaster start to that game, down 17 nothing. Uh, it looked like DTR was trashing the Cardinal defense with that scoreline. We saw that again this year. Uh, but aside from the football score comparisons, it was just a terrible game. And Arizona State was, they didn't get killed and it was close at the end. But what we've seen all year long is that Stanford has awful offensive first halves and they really don't play competent basketball unless they're down double digits. They can get it back to single digits. They don't quit, they get back to single digits. And then they just absolutely lose all confidence, whether it's mental errors, whether it's not creating any open looks, not making any shots, turnover after turnover. It's just whenever a game's competitive, they don't play good basketball. It's really unfortunate. And yeah, I know you say they don't have any good wins. They don't have any respectable wins, to be honest. All three of their wins are quad four or they're 04 quad one. Fine. They're 0 and 2 quad two. That can't happen when you don't have a quad one win. And they're 3 and 0 in quad four, nothing in quad three. So they, they just, don't have a resume they don't have a single win to say oh that's cool that's that's a nice win no no one's impressed by florida state cal poly or pacific so during this final season hopefully they studied how to really fix their season because it's i mean i know it's only a third of the way done but you're starting to get to desperation time here the pac-12 is full of teams that are around stanford's talent level 
And right now they're just losing to pretty much everyone. I think if you look at the schedule again, if they want to be on a tournament path, they should be six and three right now. And they're three and six. They're not even close to the NIT right now. Ken Palm has that projected at 15 and 16 under 500. Uh, You really needed that Mississippi game. That was huge. Uh, You needed one of Memphis, Arizona State. Uh, You need one more else somewhere else. It just hasn't been the start they wanted. And there's a lot of talent on this roster, but also, maybe there isn't as much talent on the roster. I think there are a lot of guys underperforming right now. Uh, the point guard position is not good right now. Uh, they're missing consistent shooters. Big man is lacking at times. It's all over the court. It's a really, really disappointing start to their season. And, I mean, hopefully they're able to salvage something. Hopefully they're able to come out of this break with some positive momentum here. But, yeah, really need to turn on the Jets right now. And it starts with Green Bay on Friday. Yeah, it's definitely time to to start going and start racking up racking up the wins. You have two pretty good opportunities this weekend. Texas is obviously a daunting task, but they're going to be distracted. They don't have their head coach. Um, a lot of a lot of questions surrounding their program right now. So you kind of have to go in there and take the situation as it comes and try to try to get you know a huge resume building win there and kind of propel that into uh, Pac-12 play. I know there's I think one like another non-conference game coming up after that just before Christmas against Loyola Chicago in Santa Cruz. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's definitely time to start, start getting those wins. You got to kind of change how the start of the season has gone, but, um, you know, we'll kind of reevaluate when we get to January and see kind of how the, the rest of this month went for the team and, you know, how close they are to kind of working back towards being, being on the bubble, but, uh, kind of looking over towards the women's side, the women's team has kept it rolling, uh, only loss of, of the season, of course, to South Carolina, number one, South Carolina, I should add in overtime, uh, they, handled uh top 25 Gonzaga in their last game and they've got some two two pretty good teams coming in in the next week they've got Tennessee I believe on Sunday at home and then Creighton at home on Tuesday Jabril uh do you have any thoughts on kind of a lot how women's basketball team has looked recently and then you know kind of two two marquee-ish matchups uh in Naples next week yeah, they're so deep. It's a different person every game for this women's basketball team. It can be Brooke, Brooke Dimitri. It can be the usual suspects, Haley Jones, Cameron Brink. Cam needs to work on foul trouble, of course, but when she's in the game, she's as dominant as anyone in the country. Uh, it's two good teams. Tennessee has definitely had a very disappointing start to this season, but there's still lots of talent on that roster. Creighton is a top 20 program. So two more competitive games coming out of the finals break. Stanford's got to hope uh, there's not rust because teams that talented will beat them. Stanford holding strong at number two in the nation after that overtime loss to South Carolina that Stanford had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter in. They're doing well. Just got to keep pace. The Pac-12 looks really strong this year. You got Utah in the top 15, now UCLA, Oregon, Arizona. Uh, but yeah, the Pac-12 looks much looks stronger than expected this year. Should be a lot of good matchups. Stanford just got to keep going strong. And really right now, I think the general consensus is it's them in South Carolina, a tier above everyone else right now. Yeah, such a deep team, as you mentioned, Jabril. And one that, you know, the one that's fun to watch, one player specifically, Tawana Lopolo, I think I saw some stat where she is the most assists uh, as a freshman, any as any freshman in the Tara Vanderveer uh, era at Stanford, which is pretty impressive. You know, Tara's had a lot of great players come through, come through Palo Alto and play for her. Um, and, you know, she's looked pretty steady as a freshman, uh, one that we didn't really have much expectations for coming into the season. Uh, so she has been kind of a bright, a bright light on this team, among many other bright lights. Um, and so I'm, I'm just to see, kind of see how this next week goes. Um, I, we talked about this in our last our last episode. Is that you know with this team, we've seen all we need to see. We know that they can compete with the best team in the country, and they they should they 
should have beat the, t- the best team in the country. And we know that, you know, a- as long as, you know, barring anything catastrophic, they should be right up there in the final four come the end of the season competing for another national title. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to kind of skip ahead to March almost for this team. <laughs> uh, but of course you got to play, you got to play the games. You got to play the full season, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for women's basketball. Um, and I think that's kind of going to wrap up this episode. We, you know, we talked a lot about Troy Taylor, the new face of the Stanford football program and kind of all the things that come with that. We're going to be kind of glued to Twitter over the next week or so as we kind of see who's going to, how the rest of this coaching staff is going to shake out uh, for the team. And of course, you know, if they are going to recruit anybody in the portal, I would love to get a quarterback in there, especially some people in the secondary offensive line guys. Uh, and if, you know, we're going to get anybody out of the portal, some seniors to stick around for a fifth year because that's that's very key uh, for the Stanford program. We also talked about volleyball ending their season in kind of a heartbreaking fashion in the men's and women's teams. Uh, Jabril was fun to kind of get back in here after kind of the two-week final br- finals break to be talking about Stanford sports again. We'll be back uh, hopefully soon to, to keep talking about stuff. Fastball is a big weekend coming up. But yeah, signing off from another episode, keeping up with the card as always, this is Elson Jabril. Thank you.